Welcome to this week's episode of Off the Assembly Line. I'm your host, Rebecca Reed, and every week I sit down for possibility-sparking conversation with innovative educators and entrepreneurs who are bringing the future to education, one beautiful disruption at a time. On episode number seven, I'm digging into the entrepreneurial journey of Amanda Doe Amaral, a former AP history teacher and recent recipient of Business Insider's Eight Women Under 30 Entrepreneurs and CEOs to Watch list. A few years ago, Amanda left her high school classroom and created Fiveable, a social learning platform that connects students and teachers for in-depth group learning through live stream lessons, interactive discussions, and engaging communities. What started as a way to help former students prepare for their AP exam exploded into a community of more than 35,000 students in a little over two years. Amanda shares the unexpected pathway that expanded the walls of her classroom and how Fiveable is creating new opportunities for students and for teachers. So Amanda, so glad to have the chance to chat with you again. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, totally. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So the Fiveable story is fascinating, in my opinion. I'm a huge fan of the work that you're doing now and looking forward to digging into that. But to start, let's dial it back a little bit and go back to the beginning. Who are you? Where'd you grow up? What's your origin story? Yeah, I'm from outside of Boston. I went to school in Boston, studied education, and I went out to Oakland. Um, I got a job teaching ninth and 10th grade history and So I taught for five years, um, mostly AP classes. Uh, AP World was kind of the one just big like game changer for me. Um, When I was first handed AP World, I remember just being like, are you sure? Like, (laughs) I just, I feel like I just started teaching. I'm young. Like, there must be, I thought there was, I don't know, just a higher bar for it. And they were like, nope, you'll be fine. Also be ready to teach it in like a week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, so I just started learning. And I think one of the one of my favorite parts of teaching was just the learning and like how 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 much like you know from content but from the students but from the skills like there's so many things that like I I learned about while I was in the classroom and eventually I, I had to I ended up having to leave my school because I just couldn't afford to be a teacher anymore in Oakland um, which was devastating um, but was also a really good decision too. I I felt like I needed to take a break and see what else was out there. And that kind of led me on my most recent adventure. And it took a little while to get here. I kind of was a nomad traveling for a bit. And then I worked on a congressional campaign in New York. And um, from there, Fiveable just kind of sprouted out of really like organic necessity where my former students needed help and I could help them. And then I kind of thought about how much more of an impact I could make outside of my own classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's really interesting. I have a couple questions about just your journey. And the first one would be, did you ever expect to be in the classroom? And what was that like for you to, to find yourself there professionally? It's kind of funny. I, when I was in college, I worked at a events like a venue on like an on-campus kind of thing like we did like you know concerts and comedy shows and things and I I felt like I had this moment in college where I like felt like I was like peaking in like that industry like it was just like the funnest thing and and I saw myself just kind of doing that and so I had switched into education but I like pretty early on felt like this is great I like learning about this but I don't want to be a teacher 
Um, I, I want to go into the music business industry or I want to do event planning or I have all these other ideas. And then, I don't know, I guess like as like graduation came closer and closer, I thought, you know, well, like I do, I really like student teaching and I like working with students. Let me like, let me just see what's out there. I was getting recruited for TFA. Like many of my friends were, um, just as like leaders on campus. And I was pretty like anti-TFA at that point. Cause I had come from an education um, program. But I, I don't know, I just kind of was like, well, I may as well apply and see what happens. And then I figured if if I get placed in a region I want to be in, if I get put in a school I want to teach that subject, then I'll see, I'll, I'll play this out. And so I don't know, it kind of, I it all made sense every step of my journey, but at the same time, it wasn't necessarily what I had planned. Right. It fit, yeah, the pieces fit together, but it wasn't something that you had planned out in advance. And so you were in the Oakland Unified School District from for the for your entire teaching career, is that right, Dana, you know, with, yeah. with TFA and, um, and beyond? Yeah. Okay. And so what was it about AP World History? I mean, like, that's obviously this is, this is where you're digging in deep uh, with the work of Fiveable, but what was it about that class, that subject, you know, that topic that really got you? Mm-hmm. I felt like I, I was like kind of shocked at how little I felt I knew. I, like I had gone through, like I was just kind of always a history nerd growing up. And, you know, in college I was taking all kinds of different history classes, and social science classes. And, and I don't know, I thought I knew some stuff about history. And then I'm handed this textbook and I'm like, wow, I've been in a really like Eurocentric, mm. American-centric curriculum my entire life and I never really understood what that did for me like in my own identity and and for my understanding of the world and I don't know I just I just kind of it just really like opened my eyes up um and it was just like really it was really powerful to like be teaching students that for the first time we're hearing that you know the richest person in the world ever was a West African man you know, mm. like things like that, just that, that they just had never had before. And so I think with, with AP world, there was the content was always exciting to teach because I was learning so much and was able to teach it to students that were, it was changing them too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the like rigor of it, like it's, it's hard. And I think it, it provided me with a better framework of like, how, how do I get kids to be at the next level? Cause it was moving me to the next level, you know, like mm-hmm. how do we actually analyze and write about it? And, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to set the bar high for students, but when it was, when I was on my own sort of before AP, just kind of making it up as I went now looking back, like I was not setting a bar high enough, but in teaching AP, it allowed me to like really see what rigor looked like. I kind of love that you're hitting on something that I don't know if I hear a lot of edu- educators talk about, which is the, kind of that dual learning and teaching, learning and teaching, and some of the magic that is really there in the shared learning process that really, I think, happen, that, that really can happen in the classroom, and I think in the best classrooms does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I kind of love that you're bringing that up there. It's, uh, it's a different perspective, and I think it's really powerful. Yeah, I mean, and I think, like, for my students, it was just really important, too, for them to know that, like, I don't know everything, mm-hmm. you know, like, yes, I'm the, I'm a teacher. I have experience and, and I'm leading this classroom, but I'm learning this just as much as you are. I need to set a path for you 
so that you know what you need to know and, and we're going to get there together. But I don't know. I think it was just really powerful sometimes for me to say like, I don't know. I don't know the answer to your question. That's a super good question. Let's look it up together. Or, you know, why don't you dig into that like tonight and get back to us tomorrow with what you find? Yeah, you're right. There is such power when teachers are able to say, you know what? I I don't really know. Why don't you dig into that? It it shifts the dynamic in the teacher-student relationship from, you know, top-down um, to kind of a level playing field um, and more of a part, like a learning partnership, which for students is, well, it's just hugely empowering, but it's also engaging. Yeah, and, and I think, like, for my classroom, like, taking AP World was, it, like, I had to convince students that, like, this was not this was not just supposed to be a space for the smart kids, right? Like this could be a space for any, any student. And on some level I had to convince myself of the same thing too, as a teacher, but like I went into it thinking, Oh, just these like, I don't know, super qualified or really smart teachers teach AP classes. And like I had to like kind of break down my own barrier that I had set for myself, you know, just like my students had. And so I think the more open I was about that of like, I didn't take this class in high school. Like I am taking on this challenge as much as you are. Like, let's figure this out together. You know, like mm. kind of building this mentality of like, it's us versus this exam, you know, like I'm going to figure this out on my end and you're going to figure this out on your end and we're going to take it down, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that picture. So you mentioned, you know, you came to this point where it was financially unsustainable for you to remain in the classroom in the Bay Area, you know, and you started looking at what was next for you. And, you know, in your in your story, you mention it as, you know, just another kind of point in your journey. But I imagine that it took a lot of wrestling to come to that point. Can you talk a little bit about the decision to leave the classroom and kind of what played into it and, and your process? Yeah, I, it was really hard. I think, I mean, I feel like there was a lot of years where every year I'm kind of like, okay, one more, you know, like I was, I knew I was like making a decision every year of like, do I want to leave or do I want to stay? And most years was kind of an easy, like, okay, yeah, no, I'm for sure going to stay another year. I'm excited about next year or whatever. And then I think it just got to a point where I, I noticed a lot of, there was just so much turnover at my school. And so there always was sort of a wave of teachers that would go out every year. Like we would, we would actually, we would literally lose about 25% of or 30% of our teachers every year. And for me, like, you know, I, most like in the beginning, I just kind of felt like, no, I'm for sure here I'm staying. And then it just kind of got to a point where I just thought, you know, like I'm my, the level of stress that I have mostly because of just the structure at the school, the, the turnover, the, we keep redoing the same things, the like admin, almost like incompetency. Like I was just so stressed out and I felt like I was starting to pull back. Like I didn't want to sit on certain committees anymore because it started to feel like a waste of time. And I started to just kind of be almost this like jaded feeling. And I just wanted to like be in my four walls of my classroom because I knew that I can make an impact there. But outside of it, I was like, I can't handle this anymore. And then at the same time, like my rent was increasing. My student loans were a mess. And so, and I just, I just kept thinking like, okay, I've I've been working full time for five years now after college. And I feel like I have a ton of professional experience, but 
I'm not even able, I'm just like living month by month and it just keeps getting worse. And so I had to like really sit down and think like staying at this school is not, it's not a good decision for me in terms of like self care, right? Like it was about, it was about finances. It was about stress. And it was just about like, I need to take a step away and see what else I can do. You know, I wasn't really sure like where I was going to go or what I was going to do next, but I just wanted to like take a chance on myself and see what happened. And I guess I figured if I want to come back there, we always lose teachers. Like I can always get another job at, at the school, at another school. Um, you know, there's always more opportunities. And so it just made sense to just make the decision. And it was really, really hard, especially like the day that I told my students because they had started to like kind of guess after a while. I didn't want to tell them until after the AP exams. Um, and so when I, when I actually did like announce it, it was just like a really hard day because I think they kind of, they had hoped that like I would, you know, I would be the one that stayed and it just was another teacher for them. You know, I think it was just like, mm. just something that they were really used to. And it just, it, it hurt for me to just be part of their, I don't know, like that's what they expect. And so it just was, I had to put myself first and, you know, the kids, as much as they understood, they were hurt too, you know, like me putting myself first meant that I had to put myself ahead of them, like for the first time. Mm. And so I think they were like, they were happy for me, you know, like they, they were genuinely like supportive, but they also were like, you know, where am I going to eat lunch next year? Yeah, it was hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that you said, you know, you wanted to take a chance on yourself and really engage in some deeper self-care. And, and it's interesting that those two things feel at odds or, or really are at odds for so many educators. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want to go quite down that, that trail, but, but it is something that I think is really uh, an interesting dynamic coming out of what you're saying. And one that, you know, I felt personally and, and one that I know a lot of other educators do feel. So um, interesting that yeah. you touched on that. So you leave the classroom, you go on this massive multi-country trip, you, you come back, um, you, you go to New York and you start working on Pat Ryan's uh, congressional campaign and shortly after this time, I know I'm kind of summing up this nutshell, but but after this stage of the game for you, you know, Fiveable begins to be born. So talk a little bit about this process of leaving, coming back, jumping into a political campaign, and then moving into the world of startup. Yeah, this was like the most wild six months. I <laughs> six I months. The yeah, it was literally in six months of like all of that. It was like. It was a lot. And I left the Bay Area. I drove back to Maine by myself, which was a whole thing that like I, get, I tend to forget because so much more happened. So I was on this like, you know, solo road trip back. And then I had bought I bought a one way ticket to Scotland. And then I just kept going east until I got all the way back around. And I had planned to be traveling for a while, like six months, maybe a year. I figured um, I like traveling. Let me like see what I can do. And somewhere in, actually, it was it was really I was in Serbia. It was a little bit earlier, but it was in Serbia. It was actually the day of the um, Vegas shooting, and I just I don't know. I think I just had this like shift in me where I just was like, 
it it stuck with me more than, you know, like there's so much going on in the world. I think some things stick with you. Some things you just sort of, you just kind of keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really just kind of stuck with me. And I, I noticed that like after a few weeks, I just like, wasn't really there anymore. I wasn't really traveling. I was like going to the thing, taking a picture, but I just wasn't really focused on it. And so I started to think like, okay, like what could I do? I never worked in a, in politics before, but I think working on a campaign would seem, would seem right. would seem like the next, my next move. And so I, I had no idea to get involved. So I started looking up, you know, campaigns and, um, I was, I had found the Pat Ryan campaign and they were actually doing this thing, this fellowship where it basically the, the, the play was we're, we're going to put you all in this house. We're going to, we'll pay you rent. We'll pay you $200 a month and it'll be for three months. And I had an interview. I was definitely overqualified for it. <laughs> and they, and they're like, great. Can you be here next week? And at that point I was in Nepal and I was like, yeah, I can be there next week. <laughs> so <laughs> it just, my mom was like, what are you doing? Like $200 a month is not enough. And I was like, eh, it'll be fine. <laughs> so I just was like, screw it. Let me go. And see what happens. So I moved into this house. I learned all about financing and, and politics and the whole experience on the campaign really was a big part of my journey too, because I had never met people that were entrepreneurs that were like building things that had built up things before that, you know, it was just like a whole new, like it was a whole new world. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of got me thinking. It got me inspired you know, sometimes I was handed projects that something would feel like, I know I can figure out a way to do this better, do it faster. I found myself just reading a lot, researching a lot. Um, and I just, I kind of just wanted to like build something. I wanted to build out of what I had done. Um, and what had happened was I had some former students reach out to me around the same time and they were super frustrated. They, I had them in ninth and 10th grade. They now had an A push teacher in 11th grade that I knew. And they were like, Miss D, you got to help us. We haven't written an essay all year. Like he doesn't even know that the test was updated. And I, I believed them because I knew the guy and was like, <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. I was like, no, like I've invested so much in you guys. Like I need to do whatever I can to make sure you're ready. Mm. And so I started live streaming and as I was live streaming for them, I'm like, I bet other students would want to be in these streams, you know, like, mm-hmm. why not? And so it all kind of happened around the same time of like, I had just decided, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to work in politics. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm going to step out. And they were kind of shook. Like people in that world don't, don't go, you know, left when the opportunity is right. Mm-hmm. And so I bowed out, I moved back home Um, I just started learning everything I could about business and marketing and product and just all of it Um, and sharing my streams everywhere that I possibly could. And in those first two months, I ended up teaching AP World and AP US just by myself um, to over 2000 students. And it was just wild. It just happened so quickly of like, you know, as I was live, the kids were like, this is awesome. Do you have it for, you know, science? Do you have it for math? Can you help me with the calculus? And I was like, well, I can't help you with calculus, but I definitely could find someone that could. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's basically how 
that was the beginning of Fiveable. It was just, it was just this like really like organic thing that I don't know. It just kind of happened, and then and then I just kind of rode the wave from there. So at this point, you're you're living with your family. Did you start with live stream, or was there you know kind of an an iteration before that? There were some iterations before of just like pre-recording some things. I had been learning all about the like online course industry and was like, oh, maybe I can build like an AP World course. Um, and so I like started recording videos, started building like a little, like a YouTube channel. So there was like a couple of things that I had kind of dipped into, but nothing had really, like the live streams were really what I was getting engagement around mm-hmm. and nothing else like really made sense. And so I just started double down, double doubling down on that. And so as we started building, and I say we, because like my, my friends and family around was, was literally like, I'm going to live at home. And my mom became sort of the first like advisor of like, <laughs> of just all of it. Like she didn't necessarily have like a background in this, but she was such a good like soundboard of always pulling me back to the students and to what mattered to sometimes we would like deep into the journey. We would like watch Shark Tank together and she would ask me the same questions they were asked just to see I love if that. I could answer them. Uh-huh. That's great. <laughs> she's, she's like, I don't really know what they're asking, but let's see if you can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we were kind of a team. We just kind of brainstormed. We, you know, tried things and then, and, and said, that's how, that's just kind of how it all began. What was it about the live stream that was hitting with students that the recorded videos weren't? I think it was definitely just the interaction. And Mm -hmm. so for them, you know, they had questions, they had, they wanted to engage. And so because we were able to be live, when they asked me questions, I could answer them right there. Mm -hmm. Like on, on YouTube, you know, you can binge watch videos all day, but if you have a question, you're not going to post it in the comments. You know, you're, you're, you're not, you don't really have a place to go unless you have someone in your life that can help you. Right. And so live, live was just fun. It, it, it allowed us to like interact, you know, me to interact with them, but also for them to interact with each other. And the, the chats were always popping and the kids were like meeting friends and it just became like, okay, well, it's Friday night, like five of is live. So, you know, I got, you know what I mean? It became this like experience of like, it doesn't feel like I'm studying for, you know, AP world. It feels like I'm in this event that like everybody else is there. So I should be there too. Mm, oh, I like that. Yeah. You're in this event, which is so interesting, right? Because that was what you were originally interested in doing. Yeah. Everything's come full circle, right? It's like, mm-hmm. It's just so funny to me now that it's sort of like I'm in this in between of like event planner and like ed- educator. Like it's all it's all kind of in between. And and I I learned in that first job what it took to entertain people um, and to plan a lot of different events. And so now it's just kind of using. I feel like I'm just using a lot of the different skills. Like there's so much of what I'm doing with Fiveable that feels like I was meant to do this. Like there's so many parts of my last decade that I've just been picking up skills along the way to get me here. Right. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting the way that you've followed the different doors that have opened up and the way that you've, you know, tried the handle on, on multiple doors that weren't necessarily open or didn't seem to be open at the time. And, you know, I'm thinking about how difficult the decision was for you to leave the classroom and how, you know, tough that was for the kids. 
um, that loved you so much, you know, when you moved into this new transition. But now you find yourself, uh, like you said, full circle back working with not only the students you had in the classroom before, but now, I mean, how, how many students are we talking about that are, you know, on Fiveable Monthly? A lot. So in the last, uh, let's see, in the last month, we've had almost 2,000 watching streams. Mm. Um, total, we're almost hitting 36,000 accounts created. That's awesome. And so I really feel like I've just, I've just expanded my own four walls, right? It's mm-hmm. like my classroom is no longer just 30 kids that I see for 51 minutes. It's it's like it's a whole big group of students that are just sort of like part of it and building with me. Right. And you mentioned before, even stepping into the AP role, it took a level of you being willing to break down your own mental barriers, you know, those your own expectations that you kind of had in the way um, and leading your students to do the same. But, you know, stepping into entrepreneurship sounds like it's been a very similar process of just kind of leveling those barriers every time you come up against them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like people talk about like imposter syndrome Mm. and like, I think now that I have a word for it, that's what I felt as an AP teacher. And that's like oftentimes what I feel like now, you know, like you, I don't know, you hear about startups, you, you hear about investors or whatever. And I, I didn't necessarily know what any of that looked like before, or even really a lot about it. And I certainly didn't you, I don't know, you think that there has to be some sort of like level of qualification that you have to get to. And I think for me and for my team, I think sometimes we look around and we're just like, no, like we're in this and like we deserve to be in this and we can figure this out just like anybody else. It's just going to come down to like how we put their put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a lot. It's the same as like what my classroom felt like. You know, I just had to kind of get over the fact that I felt like there was some arbitrary line that I should have hit before and instead it was like no I'm in this I'm in this and I have to figure it out because the students are expecting me to and that's the same thing that I feel with Fiveable Mm -hmm. like there's just so many students that are expecting streams every week that well we got to figure this out on our end we got to you know all the different pieces that go into building this like they need us to get there and so we got to get there yeah and that's really the qualification right it's is there a group of people that I can serve or is there a group of people that need the contribution I can give them? And if that, if the answer to that is yes, and really I think for, for anyone who would be considering this kind of work, you know, the answer is yes. It's just really finding that group that you can serve and serve well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really it, right? It's like, if, if you've got an idea and you have, you know, people that you're going to be helping because of that idea, then you can literally do anything. You know, anyone in this in this world, whether there's some big wig in San Francisco or New York or wherever, or, you know, Milwaukee, they're going to hear you out because your idea is helping other people. And like, it just comes down to like how you can sort of execute it. But I've just found that there's a lot of good people that want to support you in, in getting there because exactly like you said, like if you can paint the vision, that's really the only... I think that's the, that's the biggest hurdle. You know, as long as you have that, you can get anywhere else. 
Yeah, and Amanda, that's one reason why I love your story so much is because you share it so freely. You share every stage of the process so freely. And I think it's so accessible and encouraging for others who are mm -hmm. looking for followable models, you know, even followable mm -hmm. mental models. Um, you know, followable is a word, but I'm, I'm just going to yeah. use it. But <laughs> yeah, that, be another product that we'll have. <laughs> there we go. We've got five of all followable, you know, there yeah, you <laughs> just next step. So I'm, you know, you've got all these students that are building accounts that are joining the live streams. It feels like an event. It feels like a party. But let's talk about impact a little bit. What is the impact um, beyond the connection, beyond the engagement that students are experiencing from your work with Fiveable? And I'm also you know, curious what you would say about the teachers that are engaged at one level or another. What's, what's the impact been for both? Yeah, well, because we started in AP, we do have just like some test scores that we can we can look to to see like is this even working and so there is just like a, a very like obvious impact for us where we know that we are helping students pass these exams mm. and that that is leading to college credit which is going to save them money later and I didn't follow that path and now I'm paying the price right <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so last year of the 25,000 or so students that watched live streams we had 92% of them passing which is crushing the national average it was it's wow. like a 67% pass rate wow and so that that's a big part of it it's just mm. like there's just it's just an opportunity gap right it's like students know okay there's these AP exams but then they see them and they think I I'm not going to be able to pass that or or maybe they try to take it and it's it's super hard. And so any way that we can just help them earn the credit, you know, help them get from A to B in their goals of like I want to go to college, I need to make sure I take these tests because I need the credits or I just need to be able to compete with other people applying, then that's that's a huge part of it. But there's another piece of this too that I didn't even it's sort of an unintended positive consequence where because we're doing live streams students are able to see people that look like them teaching mm. different subject matter and in schools that's a big issue and it's right. hard to fix because you can't necessarily you'd have to incentivize people to move to different locations to teach you know i know like even like tfa is trying to get more people in communities to do tfa in their own community um i i heard i mean even like I forget which candidate it was in the debate was talking about how much more likely students are to succeed when they have teachers of color. Right. And so that's actually something that we can work towards because if I can have, you know, women, teachers of color, students with, you know, di different like learning abilities, like there's just so many ways I can diver diversify the, you know, the educator and that can dramatically change a path for a student because they can see like, wait, this this kid looks like me and they got a five in AP world, which means that I could get a five in AP world. Mm. And so I feel like if I can do that, I think that's going to be a stronger impact because it's funny. Like, I feel like, you know, obviously I want kids to pass test scores and stuff, but at the same time, I'm like, who cares? You know, like test scores are test scores. I, I want you, I want to help you play the game, but there are things that matter so much more than that mm. in, in like your life. And this is one of them because it just unlocks a lot of, 
a lot of opportunity for kids. Yeah, it's powerful. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that I hadn't even crossed my mind that that dynamic could be in play, you know, that that's something that you guys could really take and run with. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, and I love too that you mentioned not only from the teachers that are in front of them, but the students that are in front of them too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just outstanding dynamic. What about what about the teachers that are involved on yeah. some level? Yeah, so it's like, it's it's the same for them. So on both ends, the teachers that are sending their students to our streams, they, or, or that are coming to the streams, they're benefiting in the same way. Like we're helping them understand what it takes to pass this exam. And so more of their students are going to pass. And so just generally, you know, to be able to say, go to the stream that's happening tonight and maybe not have to stay after school for two hours and instead get to go home. That's massive. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the teachers that stream with us, like they, they just talk about all the time, just like how powerful it is for them to extend their own impact and, and to learn from the other students that they're working with. And so, you know, for a teacher in Colorado, they're seeing the same students day in, day out when they live stream. Now they have a whole different group of kids asking different questions, finding different solutions. And then they're able to take that back into their own classroom too. And so there's this like really cool, like kind of feedback loop that happens for the streamers and for the attendees because they're just engaging with each other. Yeah, that's an awesome point. I was actually just writing down a little note as you were sharing that because I had several uh, colleagues come to mind that that really resonate, that would really resonate for. Okay, so we'll just take like a little bit of a left turn here and kind of touch on the activism component. So when I, I look at you and I look at your work, you know, in so many ways, you're an activist. And mm-hmm. I'd love to know, you know, when you look out across the education system at large, or even the AP program or college placement testing, you know, broadly speaking, where do you see change most urgently needed? And what are some ways we can start pushing on that door? Yeah, I feel like the list is long. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people like see education or they talk about ways that we need to solve it. And I think they kind of think like we need to kind of burn it down and start over. And I get that on a lot of levels that like, you know, it feels like the whole system was built to just kind of churn out, you know, workers. Right. Mm -hmm, Right. And I totally see that. But at the same time, there is a lot of like really good work that is happening in a lot of schools and a lot of classrooms, you know, some of it is on a, on a big scale. Like there are some schools and some districts that have figured it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And some of it is just very like micro, you know, like one teacher at a school has just like got this killer classroom set up and it's just awesome. And I think when we, when we say things like, yeah, like the whole education system is broken and we just need to like start over it removes all those people that have been doing a lot of really powerful things Mm -hmm. for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like a lot of where we need to start is sort of bottom up, you know, like taking and working with students and teachers who, who, who figured it out, who can kind of navigate the system, who teachers who, when they take a step back, they can see like, this is what my classroom should look like. If it doesn't look like this, here's why, right? Like mm. they're they're held back by by money, by 
bureaucracy by completely unnecessary like different rules or you know like I was hearing about a teacher that has taught AP Calc AB and BC forever and then they just randomly made a rule that you can only teach one AP class and he was like but I teach them both (laughs) (laughs) and so it's like things like that it's like just completely random lines that get drawn that you know there's a purpose for them but it's like it's not holistic. And so I just feel like where we need to start is is with educators, uh, like definitely in paying them enough so that they don't have to leave their classroom like I did mm-hmm. um, and that they don't have to strike and and be and buying their own supplies. Like there's just some there's some like simple things here that like there was like a, a powerful moment in my class once we had this speaker come in and he had asked this question of if this school district wanted to redo this entire school and like, you know, just revamp it all, would they have enough money to do it? And every single kid said no. And so, and he was like, of course they would, or the state, you know, or the government. Mm -hmm. Like he was, he was trying to prove the point that like, there is money. It's not being delegated towards you, but it's there. But the kids just assume that it's not there. Right. Right. That they just, you know, why as a kid, why would you assume that you're not being chosen as like Mm -hmm. the one to spend it on? So I think like where we need to start is just like kind of is with teachers and and with students. I think there's just basic needs that need to be covered that it doesn't seem like it's that hard. You know, we can restructure certain ways that money is put into schools that where it's coming from, you know, where, you know, there is there's there are funds out there. You know, like I'm seeing it in the entrepreneurial sense, these investors that pour millions and millions of dollars into, you know, who knows what. And so. There's money out there. It's not being allocated properly and teachers are not part of the conversation enough. And so I think we need to see teachers as professionals. Um, I think you need to give them the benefit of the doubt every step of the way that like, you know, when they make decisions, it's because it is what's going to be best for students. Um, And I think there's a lot of there's just a lot of like good things that are that are happening. And so like, let's lean into those and then do things properly so that students get what they need. Yeah, absolutely agree there. There is so much more being done to move things forward and to and to not only innovate, but to really meet the needs of students in the ways they need to be met. That's taking place right now. We just Mm -hmm. don't have a lot of visibility to it. So I I love that you call that as a starting point, like, yeah, let's start there and let's build yeah. on it. Yeah. I mean, even like when you look at like ed tech startups, you know, like there are plenty that are doing awesome things or different nonprofits that are have totally like unlocked different opportunities. And and it just it's like we keep redoing the same thing over and over again. It's like there's there seems to be no communication across these these things, you know. Mm-hmm. And so like that's where I feel like. I feel like the answers are there. There are people who know exactly what to do. We just don't lean into them. You know, we just like, I, I mean, in my own school district, I had, I think while I was there, we had three, I was there for five years. I had three superintendents, 15 assistant uh, principals and five principals. Yeah. It was wild. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, and the people that they kept putting up there just, it's, just didn't know anything about what was actually going on in my class and just kept churning out and making up random rules and things. And it was like, none of this matters, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know that exact, exact experience is happening in other places. Right. 
yeah, bringing the voice of the educator into the decisions that are made and into the change that's made, I think is crucial. Mm -hmm. Okay, so bringing us back, I know I took a little bit of a left turn there because I was really curious about what you would say to that. Um, coming back to Fiveable, so I mean, you guys are so young. It's so incredible the momentum you've gained so quickly. Give give us a picture of where things are at right now, and then a snapshot of what the future looks like for Fiveable. Yeah, sometimes I have to like just take a minute and and like appreciate what what's happened so far. It's so easy right. to be like to want to be 10 steps f faster and further. And then I'm just like, wait, I've only been at this like a year and a half. Like it's pretty incredible. Yeah. We're in a good spot. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, so basically right now we are, we're building a lot. We added a lot of new subjects for this year. We're trying to find ways to just grow into more schools to support more students. You know, it's like, as long as I'm streaming, I want to fill the room, right? Like there's, mm -hmm. I know there's kids out there that want help in this AP biology topic tonight, but they just don't know that we're going to be live. And so we're just trying to get the word out there as much as possible. And so really in the next year, it's just about growing, um, about creating. Um, we have just like some really awesome, like the streamers and content creators and a couple of interns that really help us kind of roadmap everything out. And so like, just like my vision of start with the educators, like that's what I'm built. That's how I'm building Fiveable too. It's like the teachers and students are the ones that are really like laying out our plans. And so those are kind of our focuses for the next year, really um, just kind of building out the team and our own capacity and developing our own, our own skills and different things. So that's kind of like the, that's kind of like the high level look. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm super stoked because I feel like by the end of this year, you know, last year I reached 25,000 students this year, we're hoping to reach 250,000 students. Wow. And so we just keep setting these like huge goals mm. and, and then it's just like, all right, well, what do we have to do to get there? Because I know there's 250,000 students that could use us and I just need to find them. I need to let them know that we're here and I need to make sure that what we build makes it really easy for them to use it. And that's that's where my, my entire focus is. Oh, I love it. So excited for you guys and where you're going. I always love to ask every guest that I have on this show, who are you giving an A to these days? Oh, man. I I mean, my honestly, I feel like every day I'm influenced a lot by, you know, the, the squad. And I watch people like AOC on Twitter and I see what she's doing in government for young people and just sort of like uncovering what is going on. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What kinds of things do you see? How do I teach as I'm going through this? And I try to do a lot of the same thing, but on, on my end, right? Like in ed tech, um, I just, I just think it's just, just being like you kind of mentioned, like being transparent, being, kind of shameless and like, I'm going to say what I think and I'm going to do what's right. And people are either going to follow me or they're not, but at least I'm, I'm going down with my values. Mm -hmm. And I, I see that in, in her and in the, in the rest of them, you know, the new Congresswoman and I just find them so inspiring. And so I, I try to do, I'm trying to follow their lead in any way that I can. And so those are definitely the people that I'm most influenced by right now. Awesome. And then to wrap us up and take us home, how can people get connected with you and what you're doing? 
Yeah. So you can check out Fiveable at fiveable.me. It's just M-E. Um, and we're you know on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all the different places. And I think the best way to support us is really share what we're doing. There, you know students, you you know AP students. Uh, maybe you're an AP teacher. You know we want we need streamers, we need content creators, and we need attendees. And so any way that we can get people involved, um, the door's open. Fantastic. Amanda, thank you so much for being on. Thanks for sharing your story and thanks for just digging in and sharing your insights from your process. Hey, thanks for listening to episode seven of Off the Assembly Line. You can find details and resources in the show notes or at offtheassemblyline.co. If you're enjoying the show so far, leave a review and share it with someone who needs to hear it. I'd also love to hear from you. What topics are you interested in and what change makers do I need to have on the show? If you go to offtheassemblyline.co and scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll see a form that lets you tell me all about it. Thanks for helping me build the Off the Assembly Line community one week at a time. Today's the day. Go make a ruckus.